Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. everyone to RB1 Cola a Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your humble host, Pete Rogers, joined as always by Clark Barnes. Uh, Clark, how are you? Doing great, Pete. I'm fighting for third in one league and hey! fantasy season is coming to a crushing, crushing end. Oh, that's that's tough. That's tough to hear. Yeah. How did, did feel good did, about the season? Finished in second in both of those leagues, and then lost in the playoffs. Like it's like losing a bad hand at poker. Like sometimes you're just going to lose hands. There's nothing you can do about it. So I look at it as the way the world turns. Like full season did well, drafted well. More importantly, waiver wired well. Uh, so feeling good. But we're going to get a little bit more into those fantasy picks later. Uh, oh yeah, hot action going Ooh. on around the league. Ooh, that is that is a tease if I've ever heard one. Yes, uh, we will be talking. The bulk of today's show will be talking really just as a whole reflection, right? This is going to be our last episode. We're not going to record next week because it's the holiday week. Um, and you know, personally, I'm going to be in the middle of Wisconsin in a cabin with no Wi-Fi, so that's going to be fun uh, for the for a good portion of the week. So we'll see how I do my job without Wi-Fi. Well, Cheese uh, and spotted cow is what I yes, hear the recipe. That, that is basically how you survive in the northern tundra of Wisconsin. Um, so we figured we'd take a reflection. We'd look back on, on the 20, 2017 fantasy season, talk about some studs and some duds, people who we thought were going to be great, people who we thought who turned out to be awful, but mainly uh, fixing some fantasy disappointments, how we'd fix those fantasy disappointments heading into the 2018 season. But before we do that, um, let's tackle a little bit of news. I know sometimes we touch on the news, sometimes we don't on this podcast, but I figured, you know, it's kind of an important time of the year. If you're in, if you're uh, lucky enough to be playing in, a, in an important game this week, then it's always good to just have a little bit of insight as to what the happy happies are in the uh, in the league going forward. So we'll start with my favorite little bit of the news of the day uh, is that Ezekiel Elliott will be the starting running back for the Dallas Cowboys this week. And I wish I could find the headline, but that literally was what was tweeted out uh, when it was announced that Zeke was back at practice. It was basically it was like Zeke is practicing with the ones and Garrett confirms he'll be the starting running back like no shit. He's going to be the starting running back. I mean, not to be rude to Alfred Morris, who filled in extremely well. But, dude, Ezekiel, it's a stud. It'd be like that stupid headline I saw a couple of weeks ago about Brent Hundley making it hard on McCarthy if Rogers comes. No, no, no. Of course, Ezekiel, Ezekiel Elliott is the number one. Of course. Right, right, right. That was exactly. Uh, Alfred Morris did exactly what you want out of a backup quarterback when he replaces your quarterback. He came in. He played the role you know, as averagely as you think he would and then you replace him with the uh, vastly superior star that's what happens yeah, i think he got more than was there and i think the cowboys are happy about having him for the next few years as a very inexpensive backup but yeah zeke 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 
see clearly started. Um, on the Aaron Rodgers note, because you brought it up, uh, Aaron Rodgers got put on IR t- on today or yesterday, which is very much as expected as they were mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. And since Rodgers really did not look up to snuff uh, uh, on Sunday that, you know, it makes sense to just shut him down, let it all happen. So everyone who went out and, you know, got Randall Cobb thinking that he's suddenly going to have a resurgence. Um, sorry, but that's not happening. Instead, replace him with Aaron Jones because that running game is going to be back in full force, baby. Yeah, more on Randall Cobb in the mea culpa section later. Woo! So many teases. Uh, Julio Jones sat out today's practice while Tevin Corman, Coleman returned to practice. Am I the only one who feels like Julio's been like banged up all season? I feel like he's chronically been like popping up on the injury reports throughout this whole year. Well, so that's kind of Julio Jones's MO. He is a freakishly large individual who plays at a very heavy weight for a wide receiver who can move as fast as he can and can jump as he can. So I'm just amazed that his ankles survive him going to the grocery store, let alone playing in the NFL. So yeah, he always seems to be on the injury report. He always seems to gut through it. And then he always still manages to disappear for several games each year. Yeah. I wonder, I wonder if uh, the Falcons should just implement the kind of NBA style of resting your starters. Like I understand that, that happens because there's 82 games in the NBA and there's only 16 in the NFL and a loss here and there is actually a big freaking deal uh, when you only play 16 games. But I wonder if like, you know, early in the season, do you really need to play Julio every single snap for the first two to three weeks? Eh, I don't know. I so mean, I, the Patriots kind of implement that with Gronk. They they kind of have Gronk on a counter in the early part of the season so that he's like not injured and rested. Yeah, I because the NFL is so varying from year to year about who's good. I mean, last year, if you if week 14, you'd told someone the Jaguars are going to get 11 wins and be in the playoffs. The amount of Twitter hate that you would have rightfully received would have just been bonkers. So the first couple of weeks of the season, like you have to do it. And you raise a good point. Like the Spurs are kind of famous for resting their guys because it's a long season and then they're ready to go in the playoffs. But Early in the season, no, I don't think you can do that in the NFL because all of these games count. But now that we kind of understand what the playoff seating is going to look like and what things are going to be, if you can afford to drop a game and be the five seed instead of the four seed, you know, who cares? You're not losing home field advantage. You'd, you'd rather go in there with your studs healthy. So late in the season, sure, maybe take a week yeah, off. Yeah, and you see that. You see that. You see uh... – you see teams that once they've locked up their kind of playoff spot, they'll they'll rest their starters. So yeah, that, I guess that's where it, that's uh, where it plays into. Uh, moving on, Devin Funches didn't practice for the Panthers, which is big for all y'all Demary Bird owners. Uh, but actually, you should be going and getting him on the waiver wires if you are someone who wants to, you know, fly by the uh, belt seat of his trousers, as it were. Uh, they're playing the Bucks. The Bucks defense sucks, and Bird has Bird just had a huge game, and we've seen it in pairs this year. I've I've started picking up on this trend. Um, big games always come in pairs. You saw it with Keelan Cole. Uh, if I was really, uh, you saw it with uh, uh, uh God dang it, what's our Madden tight end? Ricky Seals, Ricky Seals Jones. Jones. Yeah, baby. Um, so you know, coming in pairs. Bird is he's due for his second game against the Bucks. Yeah, if nothing else, you want to block maybe the guy who doesn't have as good as of a team as you. Uh, so just pick him up and maybe you drop him Friday as long as that keeps him ineligible. I know that's yeah. a little dirty, but it's not totally dirty. So Hey, man, cheat to win. As a Patriots fan, cheat to win. If you're not cheating, you're not trying. I learned someone trying. telling me that 
and slow pitch baseball. And that has been a motto <laughs> for the rest of my life. I just like how someone in slow pitch baseball is like, hey, man, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. We play for keeps. We put pine tar all the way to the end. <laughs> oh, man, that's how the sport should be played. Uh, speaking of the Bucks, they placed OJ Howard on injured reserve. I don't know when that happened, but it did. Um, it sucks. He was playing well. Uh, he was one of we talked about this way, way early in the in the podcast and in this year uh, that rookie tight ends tend to have kind of a pretty high growth curve uh uh, that's not what i'm trying to say a difficult time breaking into the league is what i meant um and so he was kind of putting it together he it was an ankle injury that sat him out i mean i guess so there you go wait till next year when you have a a rookie tight end get you 600 yards that is amazing and now evan ingram is kind of blowing the curve for people because now we just think like oh all these big tight ends are going to come in it's going to be just like you know gronk when he came in no, no no 600 yards for a tight end is like that's the guy you draft next year or that's the guy you keep an eye on him for their third year so yeah it's disappointing to see especially, someone who's having a great especially year. yeah especially a traditional tight end like oj howard like gronk like evan ingram is very much that jimmy graham uh aaron hernandez like when my contract goes to arbitration, I'm going to make some arguments tight ends. Exactly. I'm going to pitch myself as a wide receiver so I get paid as one. Uh, Evan Ingram does not line up on the line of scrimmage and block on a run play. O.J. Howard does and does that very well. So, yeah, a, a traditional run, uh, tight end getting 600 yards. That's a big effing deal. Um, oh, and finally, uh, Jeff Fisher wants to coach again, which has me just wildly perplexed because, like, what – as Jeff Fisher, what do you go into a interview saying? Like, you're going to be like, oh, I made the best offense this year look awful last year. Like, none of the talent changed. I just completely just kind of shat the bed with this team. So, uh, hire me. I feel like you have a PowerPoint deck. And it starts simple, first page, why you should hire me as coach, a la first year as a big boy employee deck presentation and then the second is a picture of tom Selleck. and then the third picture is a picture of tom scarrett and then the fourth picture is you and then it says mustache question mark and i think that gets you three years 12 million dollars i think that's the way to do it i also think and i tweeted this out when it first broke everyone was making their seven and nine jokes um because you know that's all that he does that being said, one of the teams on this list, Cleveland Browns. If Jeff Fisher led the Cleveland Browns to a 7-9 record, um, one of the greatest coaching achievements of all time. So make fun of him all he wants. If his, if his like, routinely bring a team to 7-9 holds up with the Cleveland Browns, then, hey, man, that is an accomplishment. I give you props for that. Yeah, and the one thing that Jeff Fisher did in L.A., obviously he drafted some talent. Now, they missed a lot also, so I'm not going to say that he's some draft guru. But two really good coordinators came into L.A. and have the Rams clicking on all cylinders. Uh, So, I don't know. What the f*** am I doing making an argument for Jeff Fisher? Don't do that. Hey, man, I will say the Browns, If and you you said this uh, on the podcast earlier this week, that Jeff Fisher needs to come in as a GM. Because, yeah, like you said, he's not bad at drafting. He's gotten some talent. He just needs other people to coach that talent up. The Browns have a shitload of draft picks coming. So, you know, if Jeff Fisher can come in and maybe do a little Jeff Fishery GM things and not try to mess it all up with uh, with his coaching, then uh, who says no? Who says no? 
again, again, we just spent a minute pitching for Jeff Fisher, which is just preposterous and should never have happened. So moving on, we're going to move on. Uh, that's it for the news. Well done, everyone. Um, so let's talk about fixing uh, the fantasy disappointments of 2017. So, uh, you know, we're looking forward to next year. The finals are, you know, championships are being played right now. Like if you're in it, great. If not, uh, we're all looking forward to next year. We're all being the uh, Cincinnati Bengals right now where we're just kind of giving up on whatever is in front of us and we're just shitting the bed away to uh, to play for 2018. So we decided to look back on the season and address some of the biggest fantasy disappointments uh, and and fix them and how we would fix them so that the, in an ideal world, 2018, uh, you know, maybe these players or the situations play out as we kind of initiate, uh, initially expected. Are these super realistic? No. Are you my mother? I mean, these are for fun. Jeez. Uh, let, yeah. let, let, let the enjoyment be had. Um, so, uh, Clark, why don't you start us off? Why don't you give us a fantasy disappointment of 2017 and how you would fix that so that in 2018, uh, he or it or whatever the situation might be lives up to expectations. Yeah, thanks for your gender-neutral pronouns while we're hey. talking about the NFL, Pete. You're welcome. That's what, He's you know, you never know. Yeah, man of the 90s. I like it. Uh, so so this person wasn't a total bust, uh, but a person that I've been waiting on for a few years that I don't think we're really getting to realize his full talent, guy I really like, uh, Jarvis Landry. So he catches 100 balls every season, and then every draft season rolls around, and everybody's like, all he does is catch eight-yard outs and then put up 1,200 yards and nine touchdowns. Like, Yeah, so I, I will be interested to see Jarvis Landry go anywhere that's not the Dolphins. I, I don't think they're going to pay him. I don't think they're going to tag him. And I would love to see him go anywhere with just a veteran quarterback that one is okay with dropping the ball off, but two in a more creative offense, because I know everybody was excited about Adam Gase going to the Dolphins, but having watched a couple of their games, they're doing nothing creative with him and they can't. So like, I don't, I don't put that on Gase, like with Jay Cutler and Matt Moore, what, what are you supposed to do? Right. You have to keep those route concepts simple. But if you have a quarterback that understands the receiver is going to choose what he wants to do, Landry is quick enough to get anywhere. So I'd love to see him go to a dynamic, uh, not necessarily West Coast, but just any kind of dynamic offense where there's another viable threat on the other side and get to see what he can really do in a real offense. What do you think about um, him falling into the genius mind of Kyle Shanahan and pairing him with Jimmy Garoppolo out in the West Coast? In a literal West Coast offense. I like that. Uh, so uh, in general, from uh, I'm a big Texans fan. I've watched Shanahan coach, and he is very much that traditional play-action coach where you have that giant number one wide receiver who's running really deep routes off of play-action. But it could work if Jarvis Landry supplants that tight end role that's always the 10 or 15-yard route that is the second read. And mm -hmm. I think that he would just tear that up. I think Jarvis Landry can fit any system other than a system that asks him to be the electric number one. And that is not a diss on Jarvis Landry. He just doesn't have that amazing over-the-top speed or that amazing height and ability but i mean larry fitzgerald's shown us that that oh my type God, of yeah. receiver is fine he's a lot he's a lot like and this is this will play into my first guy um i'm just using the other person in my example he reminds me or he feels like he could fit the role of like golden tate in in detroit you know we're like golden golden tate is that number one guy in detroit gets a lot of targets and a lot of looks but a lot of the work that golden tate does is 
yards after the catch, making people miss, working like a running back. And then they have Marvin Jones, who's that deep play, deep threat guy. Yeah, it's opposite the more traditional right. number one guy. Even though Marvin Jones isn't a traditional guy, that combination of guys improves both of those players. And so bringing up Golden Tate makes me think that he, he would be a great fit in Seattle to just be one of three guys that is okay. you just don't know what you're going to do with them. Now they don't have a number one either, but when, but if you have three guys that are also dynamic, I mean, how much fun could you have with those formations? Clark, and ugh. Clark, we just, we are about to give Seattle one of the most explosive and dynamic offenses the world has ever seen, because it's funny you say Seattle, because guess what? Guess what I'm doing for Seattle in my uh, fixing of the, uh, fixing of the 2017. So Giving them three new offensive linemen who I, can play. Uh, you know, I was thinking about that, but then I was like, you know, this is a podcast. We're here for entertainment. How entertaining is it? Like, um, so they're going to uh, address their left tackle. Their center position is going to get short up. Uh, they're nice. going to uh, go out, and they're going to get themselves the right guard. Uh, somewhere BFF's 23rd ranked center last year. Very solid replacement. Very, very yeah. solid guy. And, uh, you know, then uh, Russell Wilson's just going to operate out of that offense. Uh, yeah, that's not exciting. So <clears throat> now I guess I've already kind of spoiled how I want to fix. Literally, I've talked about everything that I want to talk about with this player other than this player. So we'll just go right into it. Uh, go ahead. I'm done with Landry. Let's move on. I want to I want to return Des Bryant to fantasy stardom. That's what I want to do. He, there was a time where he was excellent. 20, 2012 to 2014, he was the number third receiver in 2012, number seventh in 2013, and number four in 2014. So the guy can do it, right? He, there was a time where he was that number one receiver in Dallas, and everyone was like, Des! He's no longer that elite guy, right? Since he's had some injuries, he's kind of he's now in an offense that's very run heavy which doesn't exactly play to his strengths so to maximize his abilities i want to play him in an offense like we've already talked about uh with another electric receiver in a pass happy offense and my my uh, uh illusion not illusion my example was was the lions he could be the marvin jones to golden tate right golden tate is a high volume target guy who does the quick in you know works under um and Marvin Jones is that deep play threat who doesn't need the offense doesn't rely on him to move the football, but he's there to make big plays. And fantasy wise, Marvin Jones is a top 10 fantasy wide receiver right now. So um, that position still gets lots of production from a fantasy standpoint. So, oh, who, who, who am I fixing? Yeah. Uh, Seattle Seahawks. Seattle Seahawks. I had I I was going under the uh, the idea that Doug Baldwin could play that kind of high volume target guy, get a lot of short routes, and kind of be able to kind of make plays around the middle of the field and leave that big shots downfield to Dez. You're putting him, you're putting him with a uh, pass happy offense. Now that Russell Wilson is third in pass attempts. I don't see that really changing unless, you know, suddenly Marshawn Lynch comes walking back through that. I think it's going to be a, a more pass uh, pass attack. Uh, and Doug Baldwin's could play that. Paul Richardson's currently in that number two role and has been doing very well in that. And Des Bryant, I think, is a more talented receiver than Paul Richardson. Uh, and if we're also giving him Jarvis Landry, I mean, my God, you got an offense now that's got Des Bryant, Jarvis Landry, Doug Baldwin, and Jimmy Graham. <laughs> I mean, that's, that is a three-headed, four-headed passing attack with Russell Wilson behind center. Seattle Seahawks suddenly now have one of the most dynamic and explosive offenses in the league. I like it, and I think we're both kind of pointing out that if Seattle could get a little help at wide receiver, 
they could really benefit. They just need a big guy to go there. And I don't mean a, a tall guy, a 220 pound guy, but they have a lot of decent players. And if they can get someone to just bump their average up a little bit, I think that'll really help. Uh, looking through a few teams here, I think it'd be really interesting to see a guy like Des sign on with someone like Pittsburgh. Ooh. Uh, now I know that that's not going to happen, but I, I love the big two threat wide receiver combos. Like we saw with, we just mentioned fish drilled and Anquan Bolden. When you have two guys that have different skill sets and when you have a quarterback like Ben Roethlisberger or just another veteran quarterback that understands when there is one-on-one coverage, then you throw at the ball. I think you keep a guy like Des interested and you keep the volume going. So any team where the quarterback is willing to, and needs to risk just throwing it up, I think would be great. I think the problem with Dallas is that, Dak Prescott made his bread and butter and got famous off of not making those decisions. And he continues to not make them. And Dez is absolutely the kind of receiver that if you don't get him involved early, he will check out. So, yeah, totally. No, I agree. And I think if, if the chargers hadn't just drafted Mike Williams, uh, Mike Williams, right? Mike Wallace, Mike Williams. Mike I think Williams. it's Williams. If not, we're both wrong. Who gives, who cares? Something with a W. Uh, if they hadn't just basically drafted that other compliment to Keenan Allen, he that would be uh, LA would be another great place, I think, for Des Bryant because you do have Philip Rivers who loves to just sling that ball all over the field, and you're pairing him with Keenan Allen, who's again a legit number one receiver. Des can fall into that number two realm and kind of really uh, work from there. So I think that's another good. He, spot. he could go a lot of places where two receivers would end up with 100 plus catches, 1100 right. plus yards, and eight, nine plus touchdowns. And I know that's a lot for two wide receivers, but he has that hey. kind of talent. But I don't think that's going to happen in Dallas. I don't think he's washed up. I just don't think that Dak is willing to throw no. the 50 50 ball because he shouldn't be willing right. to. It's not the offense. It's not the offense that they've constructed in Dallas. The offense now that they've constructed in Dallas is hey, let's really establish the run and give quick, easy reads for Dak to get the ball out quick. That's what they're doing in Dallas. And Dez does not fit into that mold. That would be a good I'm place for Jarvis Landry. He's not going to break you wide open. He's just not. That's not what he does. But yeah. So we'll, all of my guys for fantasy fixes were wide receivers. So I just came up with one that wasn't. Perfect. And that's Jay Ajayi. Uh, and I have one bullet point here. Just give him the volume. Yeah. If you give Jay, Jay Ajayi 20 touches and he stays healthy next year, he's in the R, he's top five RB. Uh, I have been in love with his talent for forever. And so please keep that in mind when we talk about my <laughs> fantasy misses later. But I think he's good. And as long as his knee holds up and there's been no evidence that it's not going to hold up throughout his short NFL career so far, Eagles offense is dynamic. I think they're going to continue to at least be good. I mean, remember last year we were talking about the Cowboys offense and how it was going to be the greatest thing ever for the next six years. And that didn't turn out because, again, the NFL is very variable from year to year. But I think the Eagles have a good core. They've re-upped Alshon Jeffrey. Carson Wentz, you know, hopefully come back to us, please. Uh, Just give JHI the volume, and that gives us another viable first, second round running back for next year. And I think they will, because I think a lot of the indecision has been um, around him just getting acclimated with the offense, getting used to it, and then also already kind of having LeGarrette Blunt on roster. Like, I could easily see LeGarrette Blunt getting pushed off at this offseason and being released, or if he has a one-year contract, not getting uh, re-upped, and then having Jay Ajayi really take over that role and have this 
really dynamic backfield of Jay Ajayi kind of recreating maybe what the uh, Saints have been doing, which is Jay Ajayi working it up the middle in that Mark Ingram role, and then having someone like Corey Clement or Darren Sproles working a little Alvin Kamara receiving back who can stretch it uh, from sideline to sideline. Yeah, I think we're just running into a problem of the smart football move is to spread the volume out across the three very talented players you have who are very good at what they do instead of what we want from the fantasy perspective, which is give him 50 touches in the playoffs. That's why I don't care about anything. So I think we'll see a change next year. I think LeGarrette Blount was a very good signing for the Eagles and Corey Clement coming out of nowhere. Good find for them. I don't think a lot of teams want to carry three players that they have on veteran contracts. And mm-hmm. so I think we're going to see some opportunities open up in Philadelphia next year. And hopefully JHI will, will be that kind of number one. And even if it's a number one in the style of Mark Ingram, number one, that's still fine. Hey, you'll still take that. Mark Ingram is currently also a top 10 running back in fantasy. So yeah. And that's like the prime example, but I bring that up because like the days of 15 workhorse running backs mm-hmm. are gone. Right, so, right. So you just want someone that's going to get you averaging 15 touches a game for 16 games. That's what we're looking for now. Yep, yep. I totally agree. Uh, in that realm of running back discussions, um, I want to, and this is kind of reflecting on today on FakeTeams.com. <clears throat> Go um, read that site. If you Man, like, I know this might be weird coming from a guy who's on the thinkteams.com podcast. There's been a lot of really good end of the year content at thinkteams.com. So go check it out. A lot of really interesting stuff. There's a lot of good writers out there. Yeah. Go, go, go click on it. Give us a click. We we know what we're doing. You know, you know, we're we're not new to this. Anyways, um, on fake teams, I wrote during the preseason, I published my official hype train list of players who I was super hyped on this season. So I did an end of year reflection. Spoiler alert. Um, there will be plenty of those names later in the podcast as we discuss uh, hits and misses. But um, someone who is on that pocket on that list was James Winston. And we talk a lot about Mariota on this podcast. Uh, but there's another, you know, he's that other third year quarterback who didn't really take that step forward, uh, which we thought was going to happen. He had a few issues this season. Obviously, staying healthy was one of them. Uh, and also has a propensity to throwing really dumb turnovers. So he seems to know, like when you, the, the only reason I hesitate to bag on Jameis Winston too much, maybe being the next Jay Cutler is that when you read his plus his press clippings, he knows that it's oh, yeah. his fault right. and he's owning up to it. And that only gets you so far. But with me, when you're a third year quarterback who came out at like what, 20 or 21, like he's right. super young. But when you're 21 and someone says, you know, did you play better this year? He says, look at the record. No, I didn't. Mm-hmm. That's what you want to hear. And, and he may still turn into Blake Bortles, but at least he understands he cannot continue doing these things. And he has the arm. He's smart. He knows what he's doing. He just has to cut this out. He just has hey, to. Hey, uh, Blake Bortles is a playoff quarterback right now. So I don't, don't know why he's bad for Blake Bortles. Don't. <laughs> um yeah, no, uh, Jay Cutler, Jay Cutler just didn't give a flying F from the very, you know, from the word go. So at least Jameis has some uh, accountability on his end. But the thing is, is it's like, how do you fix Jameis Winston? Uh, you can't give him more receiving weapons because the dude's got all the receiving weapons you could possibly want in the world. I mean, come on, you got Mike Evans as a big body receiver. You've got Deshaun Jackson as a speedy guy down the middle. You've got OJ Howard. You've got Cameron Bray. I mean, come on. So how do you fix this? Well, they're simple, my friends. Um, we talked about running backs. It's the running game. 
The Bucks are 27th in yards per game this year, and Doug Martin is definitely on his way out. But think back to Doug Martin's 2015 season in which he like ran for a thousand plus yards and was kind of rejuvenated and everyone was like, oh, the muscle hamster's back. That was don't don't call him that. Don't call him that. Don't call him the muscle hamster. Uh, that was Winston's rookie year, and it was his best fantasy season. Um, he was a QB 13 that year. So logic tells me uh, if I give James Winston a good, reliable running game, you know, something that, you know, doesn't put the ball in his hands to force him to make all the choices and all decisions have the game rest on his shoulders. Yeah. Maybe, maybe he becomes a little bit better of a fantasy quarterback. So yeah. I'm giving him Carlos Hyde. Carlos Hyde's a free agent at the end of the summer. He runs between the tackles, catches passes out of the backfield. He does all these things. Plus as Clark has already mentioned on this podcast, Matt Breida is going to take over the 49ers backfield. So, you know, Carlos Hyde doesn't want to be there anymore. Oh, Pete, that's mean. <laughs> Don't bring out my bad calls, Pete. That's mean. Uh, and so, I mean, for me, I think that works. I was looking at, I mean, I was looking at running backs who were free agents at the end of this year. Obviously, Le'Veon Bell is at the top of the list, but I would assume that field is done. They're tagging him again. And yeah. that's going to be it for Love Bell. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the natural question here, though, is, is does this help Hyde's uh, fantasy value? I think it would help James Winston's. I also think it would help Hyde's because uh, the defense now has to worry about the pass, right? He hasn't played with a real quarterback in some time. The last time he played with a real quarterback was Colin, with Colin Kaepernick, and that was his best season as a runner. It was, I think, last year, actually. Um, and so if you give Carlos Hyde an actual quarterback under center uh, and someone the defenses have to worry about and a legit pat arsenal passing attack in front of him, which the Buccaneers have, you know, he can do some damage. So I think the pairings makes a lot of – I like that. I like that. I think I did a good job there. I like where your head's at, Pete. Compliment and let me. me. Let, me uh, let me throw this at you because I think a new running back is only half of the fix. I think you give him a new running back. And I think you give him a coach that he's going to hate because the coach is going to demand that they run the ball first to make up for what this coach did when he went to Denver and drafted Tim Tebow. Josh McDaniels gets his second coaching opportunity in Tampa Bay, takes a strong armed, intelligent quarterback, runs play action out the wazoo with a few creative looks running two tight end sets with Braden Howard, and then you have Deshaun Jackson on one side, Mike Evans on the other side. This is why we all got so excited for the Buccaneers this year. I hate to lay it at the feet of the coach when the quarterback is making all the wrong moves, but the buck stops with the CEO, and he's had a couple of years, and it's not getting better. So you give Josh Daniels another shot. You bring in Carlos Hyde. You run the ball 30 times a game with him and Peyton Barber, and then you throw it deep. I like that. I like that. Uh, we've always been, yeah, we've always been allocating uh, Josh McDaniels to Tennessee, but I kind of like him down in Tampa. I think that could work. I think that I think the Tampa is far more uh, better constructed for what McDaniels kind of does, which is like what you said, kind of big play action, really establish that run. And uh, I like that. I like God, that a Tampa lot. Tampa Bay has so much potential with Deshaun yeah. Jackson for another couple of years with those two tight ends. OJ Howard more traditional, but still absolutely capable in the passing game. Cameron Brait, 100% seam stretcher who can get in the way of a cornerback on a run if he has to. But one of my old standbys in Madden was having two wide receiver type tight ends. And you just you either run it if they go seven in the box or, or, or you throw it. 
if they it's go what, eight. It's what and, the Patriots have done for years. This is this is the reason the Patriots brought in the two tight end set. That's when they drafted Gronk and Aaron Hernandez. That was the whole move was the, you know, you put two tight ends out there with two receivers. Both those tight ends can block. Aaron Hernandez can quote unquote block. Uh, he can block a corner. Yeah. Which is what away. you need in that set. Right. Like you don't need him to block. And so if they put seven in the box, hey, you pass it. If they don't put seven in the box, you run it. Um, I like that a lot. I think uh, I think we might have just solved Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they are now going to be a playoff team next year. So you heard it here first. Yeah, a surprising playoff team this year who made a surprising move that I was very excited about in the offseason was Sammy Watkins finally throwing off the yoke mm. in Buffalo. I don't know why they didn't like Sammy. And I thought Sammy Watkins going anywhere would be great. Yep. For you folks that have been following football this season, you realize I was not right. The only time this year that Sammy Watkins looked good is when Robert Woods out of nowhere, number one wide receiver, Robert Woods got hurt. And then Sammy looked good, but he has disappeared yet again. So I think the Rams get rid of him. I don't think they're going to tag him. And I don't think that they're going to give him a contract that another team will give Sammy Watkins. Mm -hmm. Sammy Watkins is the prototypical. He can run past you. He's bigger than you. He can jump over you. And he can make amazing catches. Type 10, 15th best wide receiver in the NFL. Absolute number one. Uh, I'm going to be interested to see where he goes. And again, if he goes somewhere where the quarterback is willing to throw up those 50-50 balls or an offense really makes an effort to get him the ball, I think Sammy Watkins returns to the second round and we're really stoked that we drafted him late in the second and everyone laughed at us and pointed to this year's stats about why we were so stupid. What's your ideal landing spot for him? I'm trying to think of, I'm trying to brainstorm of a team that could use a big field stretch number one receiver with a quarterback who has the, uh, the balls to rip it downfield. I mean, it's hard to say. So Washington did this last year with Terrell Pryor, and I thought that that was just an absolute no-brainer, which really right. didn't work out. I it think that, you know, it would be interesting to see him go somewhere like Green Bay. We've seen maybe hmm. Jordy is on the way out. Maybe that was the quarterback. Maybe it wasn't. So that would be interesting. Carolina cut bait with a big, tall wide receiver, and you know they have a quarterback that's willing to throw it. Uh, downfield, I don't think Devin Funches is a number one. Uh, I mean, Seattle's interesting. I'm just looking through all of the teams here. Oh, like, yeah, yeah who would be good there? Yeah, who would be good there? Adams. Uh, I also think he might be a free agent, free agent at the end of this Man, year. I just don't believe in Devontae Adams. Am I crazy? Like, Tell he's not more. bad, but like, I just don't think he's that good. And now, interesting. I'm on the fence of like. If he puts in another solid year, obviously I'm an idiot and I don't know what I'm looking at. And he makes some amazing plays. And talk about tough as nails. So I don't yeah, feel serious. good Good's saying four. I don't think he's that great. But I just – I don't know, man. Maybe it's because he's sitting that, next to Jordy and I love Jordy. So I'm looking for any excuse to not like the person opposite him. But I don't know. I will say this. As as uh, having spent the last five years of my life with a Packers fan um, – Devonte Adams, when he came into the league, had the dropsies in a major way. Uh, Maybe and, I have the dropsies hangover. Maybe that's and he's kind of come back from that. He's definitely his hands have definitely shored up in recent years. But he like for the first two or three years of his of his career, like that boy would just drop balls in like the most uh, the worst situations where it'd be like a easy first down right in his hands, and he just bloop 
right off the right off the palm. So that could be something that like that's definitely something that once you see that too many times, it just kind of it sits there in your mind. You're just always like, oh, I just don't trust him to make that play. Um, yeah, so. and I have a nasty habit of sticking with what I think. Right. In, in light of new evidence, I I need to move <laughs> off of that. And again, a lot of my mea culpas are guys that I was I've loved them for forever. And yeah, so I don't know, maybe. Don't hate no. me, Devontae Adams. I'm not saying you're not good. Please tweet at me so I can get on some people's radar. But Devontae, yeah. Devontae, uh, also get healthy. Get healthy. Keep your keep that head protected, bro. Keep that head protected. I feel like we can solve the hits to the helmet uh, thing in football. I watched a couple of rugby games while I was over in Ireland. They don't have helmets, and guess what? They don't do exactly. They there don't was a spear with their head. Yeah, I saw this. We might have talked about this on the podcast a long time ago, but I saw this. Um, it was a whole football league that played without pads and, and it was amazing how much everyone on the, you know, cause it's when you don't have pads, you don't feel invincible, right? You don't feel like you're this just like robot that you can just go launching yourself like a missile into someone's chest or head or any part of their body. Instead, you're like, Hey, I'm a human. They're a human. I need to make sure I get my shoulder down into their chest and do a proper form tackle, uh, wrap them up and bring them down. So I have no idea if the NFL will ever transfer me on moving that direction, but they're not going, they don't give give a shit about the players. They want that to happen. They just have to act like they care. They don't, they don't really care. Uh, Can you imagine how, I mean, like how different would the world be if the NFL actually cared about its players? But I mean, that's like saying like other businesses should care about the environment and stupid stuff like that. It's like, no, the businesses exist to make money. That's why we need people to restrict businesses. We're gonna have the this the is the politicalism socialism podcast later in the off season. If you guys want to talk in the about the off season, we've got nothing going on. We'll uh, we'll really do a deep dive into uh, American politics and capitalism. Pure libertarianism cool. versus like a, great you know, representative republic. Yeah, we're gonna go into all that later. Uh, all right, let's uh, quickly wrap this pod up because I have some Christmas celebrations to do tonight. Uh, fun. Let's give. Give me, uh, give me one player who you were super high on, who did not pan out, and a player who you were uh, correctly called them becoming an all star. Okay, I, I think this will be fun. I'm going to run through my list, and then you pick out the one that you want to talk about. Uh, so Boom, I, was, I love it. I was super way high on Le'Veon Bell, the Ravens DST, Gronk, Travis Kelsey, and Todd Gurley. Those are guys that Todd I got Gurley. lucky on, but I was I drafted them. Way disproportionately in my MFL 10s, the MyFantasyLeague.com website is amazing. When you're in the throes of the offseason and you want to do a draft that matters, you can put $10 down. It's a slow draft. You have eight hours to make your pick. And then you get to go and reflect of like when money was on the line, when it mattered to me, when there weren't jerk-offs drafting kickers in the third round because they thought it'd be great to do that and then draft Tim Tebow. These are great drafts to get into. So I went through all of my like top drafted guys, and those are my five. Todd Gurley, huh? Todd Gurley is the big well, just because for me, I was I had him last year and I was scorned so harsh by him, so hard by him because it was just a uh, just a real bad season last year that he put together. And so I like actively avoided him in every single one of my leagues because I was just like, I don't trust him. He's coming into a new off. Like I should have. And I give you super props for being able to look past last year and being like, hey, you know what? Screw it. That's the Jeff Fisher syndrome. Todd Gurley is going to come out and be the best player in fantasy football. 
Yeah, and this is a common theme that if you hit it right, and I mean, seriously, this is like roulette, so it's not like I'm some genius. This is a common theme. Someone has a great year, and then they get drafted really high the next year, and he screws a bunch of people. Those people will never draft that player again. So if you believe in the talent and you think that they just had an off year, then there's a lot of value we had there. And I wasn't drafting Todd Gurley early in the second round. It's when I was drafting at 303, 304, and Todd Gurley was still there. I was like... How can I How pass do you say no to that? If Todd Gurley's falling to you in the third round, you got to take that. You can't say no to that. And he was. And he was. So when you look at these teams that have like Le'Veon Bell and, you know, Todd Gurley, you're like, what league do you play? And you're it's like, guys, remember what was happening during right. draft time? Like, yeah, Travis Kelsey was going in the fourth and fifth round. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah, you can have these guys. Yeah. No, that's that's. um that's a good one. Good call on that. Well done. Nine I, leagues out of 58. Nine leagues. Damn, dude. That's the great thing about MFL 10s. You draft, it's best ball, and then you just see what happens. No management. Love it. The guy who I had in most of my leagues, and this is a delightful transition into utter fails, uh, Terrell Pryor. Thought for sure that Terrell Pryor was just going to have a monster season. We talked about this before we started recording, but, I mean, Terrell Pryor – put together a fantastic season in Cleveland. The Browns. Cleveland. The The Browns. Browns. He played multiple games with Charlie Whitehurst at quarterback. And you think, how could he not be fantastic when you actually have Kirk Cousins and a capable, competent, and competent offense working with him? The Um, Browns. I just, I feel like that's all you needed in a pitch was just like, hey, Terrell Pryor's leaving the Browns for an actual team, and he did great on the Browns. But uh, sadly, he was a non-factor basically from the word go in Washington, and I don't know why. Dude, I'm with you there, and if he moves on to any other team next year, I'm getting him everywhere around early because he's going to be like seventh-round pick. Everybody's just going to look at the number, and they're going to think this guy is trash. I'm not going to draft him. Next year, Terrell Pryor will be a guy that I draft around early in every league if he goes somewhere else. Or if Kirk Cousins goes somewhere else, or if they fire Gruden. If something changes with Terrell Pryor, I am picking him everywhere next year. Yeah, I think he's I think I'm he's going to be my learning from Todd Gurley. And I think I think I will if he's available there in like the mid rounds. And especially and like you said, if something happens, something changes. Trust the talent. Again, like I just, I find it so hard to believe. And I've heard this, that he's somewhat of a confrontational person in real life, maybe. And that like, there were some, but like, I mean, and so maybe that explains why he wasn't like, uh, Jay Gruden, let Deshaun Jackson go. Deshaun Jackson, good at football. Very good. Confrontational person. Very good. Um, but if you have the talent, you have the talent to put together a very strong season in freaking Cleveland, then, I mean, come on. You should be able to have that talent anywhere and everywhere. You should be able to play anywhere. It's like if you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. If you exactly. get 1,000 yards in Cleveland. <laughs> you can, you should anywhere. be able to get uh, 1,500 yards at any other location. Yeah, so um, I'll go into my mea couples, culpas really quick. It's uh, It's a list, and a lot of this is the position they were going, the way it works in these MFL 10s, is I was higher than them. I was higher than the crowd on these guys. So it's not like I was picking these guys for a second round. So please don't hate me too much, but my list, I've got Randall Cobb who I drafted in 24 mm-hmm. leagues out of 58. So right nice. at 50% Ugh, didn't work out. Uh, Carson Palmer. I mean, yeah, he got hurt, but he wasn't playing great 
before he got hurt. I, I believed in Bruce Arians and thought, like, this is fine. We're all going to be fine. Uh, Martellus Bennett just won a Super Bowl. He's a stud. He's going to go somewhere. And then he went to Green Bay and he's 80. Like, he shot up a couple of rounds. I'm like, I am killing this market. No, it didn't really work out. And then, of course, my one true love, Danny Woodhead. Uh, 16 Danny. out of 58 leagues, picking him up in like the oh. 12th, 13th round, just stealing with all of these idiots who forgot how good Danny Woodhead was. Ah, he's just too old. Know. He's just too little. He's too old. Oh. He is. Um, yeah, I'll be curious to see what, what he can do next year. The uh I'm still gonna draft him in like the 18th round next year. <laughs> I still am going I'm still to get him in every single goddamn team. Uh, yeah, that's a pretty good list. Randall Cobb. Randall Cobb, I've always been very hesitant because he he unless you play PPR, he he's he falls into the category of Julian Edelman for me. I love Julian Edelman. Julian Edelman is like the engine that makes the Patriots offense go. But Julian Edelman does not score touchdowns and he does not get a lot of yards. And so he gets a crap ton of receptions and he's instrumental in that offense, but he doesn't give you a lot of fantasy production. If you're playing standard Randall Cobb falls in that same category for me, where it's like Randall Cobb, he is when he is clicking that Packers offense is clicking. He's the engine that makes that offense go, but he does not score a lot of touchdowns and he does not get a lot of yards. Yeah. And it's tough because it's like you said, exactly when the offense is clicking, he was doing well, but, but I really like, this is why I question my Devonte Adams mm. take is that, Randall Cobb did really well until Devonte Adams started playing well, and I think maybe I just hate Devonte Adams for that. <laughs> it's fair. You know, like, it's fair. And if you're looking, at, if you're following by that logic, I mean, Devonte Adams is the best receiver on the Packers because as soon as Brett Hundley took over, Randall Cobb and Jordy Nelson became no non-factors, and Devonte Adams was the only one who was able to put together any semblance of fantasy relevance. Yeah, I really think I was just wrong about. It. Like, I'm not <laughs> going to draft him next year, but I'm not going to laugh at the person that does. There I think. you go. Oh, my last one that I left off the list was Thomas Rawls. I've been chasing the Seattle backfield for like four years. Eventually, I'm going to learn. Who hasn't? It's a tough thing to learn. The issue is is they're they're always going – well, because you trust trust the Seahawks system to be able to just like create these players out of nowhere. Bethlehem Johnson. I trust Russell Wilson. That's true. I I trust Russell Wilson makes teams concentrate on Russell Wilson, and I just assume that's going to be good for other people and – Ugh, well, Thomas just Paul's wait until time. Russell Wilson is throwing the ball to Des Bryant and Jarvis Landry. Oh my God. That, oh, Pete, please don't. We've done oh. it. I'm calling Pete Carroll. I'm going to weird stalk Pete Carroll. Find his number. There it is. I'm, I'm calling Pete. Pete Carroll, we're coming for you. Um, the only other person, you can look at my whole list of um, of my hype train and, and how utterly uh, how utterly disgusting it failed. Uh, Fateteams.com, check it out. Um, but the one guy on that list that I will say I'm I'm relatively proud of because I had been preaching his name from from the basically pre-draft and then as soon as he got drafted onwards, uh, Jamal uh, Jamal Williams. You know, he took a while to kind of come into that offense, and when Aaron Jones took off, I was like, "Shit, I called the wrong running back." God damn it! Um, but then, hey, Aaron Jones got injured, and Jamal Williams came in, was exactly the running back that I expected him to be, and the fantasy stud. Um, and now he's going to have a chance to close out the season because Aaron Rodgers is gone. And please, please, if we're fixing things for 2018, this is the last thing I'll say before we wrap this sucker up. Um, 
can we please run the football when Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback? Like just because Rodgers is quarterback does not mean we need to throw the ball 50 times a game. Like let's still have a very stable running attack where we give Jamal Williams 15 touches and we gave Aaron Jones 10 touches. Like give these guys the running, let that run that ball work off of that. We don't need Aaron Rodgers to come in and just chuck the ball everywhere. Crazy. I can't believe that I'm saying this because one of my best friends at work is a Packers fan and knows more about football than I'll ever forget. But she always like links comments to the JSO sports or JS sports comments. And I can't believe I'm saying it, but I think you have to get rid of McCarthy. Yes. It's hard to fire a coach who consistently gets to the playoffs, but you're consistently getting to the playoffs with someone who's in the discussion with Peyton Manning and Tom Brady as quarterbacks of the era. That's not good enough, man. Like it's not. You watch highlights of throws that Aaron Rodgers makes, and you were just like, how does this guy not won multiple Super Bowls? Like, And he, maybe it's him. Maybe it's not McCarthy. Maybe McCarthy calls maybe. the run, and Aaron Rodgers is like, screw you. I got this. I'm going to do it my way. Maybe it is him. But I need to see that. And sorry, we just need someone new in Green Bay because they have talent. And Totally. Ugh. And if, and if it is Rodgers, then, hey, it's on the coach to be like, um, excuse me, no, I'm calling the plays. This responsibility is now taking out of your hands. I'm the captain now. We're running the goddamn football. So, like, if McCarthy's not going to – if not, McCarthy's not going to put Rodgers in his place and tell him what to do, then, yeah, oust him. I've been on the oust McCarthy train for, like, the last three years. Ever since, ever since he gave away the playoff game to the Seahawks, I have been just on the fire McCarthy. He should have been gone that year. I just came to this realization live – on this podcast that's we are making history you guys you guys this is why you tune in because clark will have revelations like this live for all of you following clark barnes's opinions on nfl coaching and keeping track online this is the moment december 20th approximately 7 30 texas time which is the only real time that's when i decided we need to get somebody else in there it's a big deal it's a big deal marvin lewis in there. <laughs> get marvin lewis get- He's retiring from the Bengals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, cool. Uh, excellent. Well, we will not be uh, in your delightful ears next week because uh, it's the holidays and, you know, we want to spend time with our families and our significant others and all our loved ones and all of that jazz. Um, and, again, I will be in the uh, northern part of Wisconsin without Wi-Fi, so that makes the whole kind of podcasting thing a little bit difficult. Uh, but fear not. Try to survive without us. Um we will be back at you in the new year. Oh my goodness. Isn't that crazy? Uh, so make sure in that time frame that you subscribe, you rate, you review, you do all of that good stuff. Follow the podcast on Twitter at RB1 Podcast. Follow myself at Pete M. Rogers. Follow Clark at NFL Clark. Uh, and if you have start sits, I know that we didn't do it tonight because there's only like 24% of people possibly in a league playing against each other if you have start sit hit us up we didn't cover it tonight because you made it to the super bowl who cares but we're happy to help we care about your fantasy team i'm gonna steal your line pete i love it looking forward to seeing y'all the new year we are the podcast for the porn bots happy holidays everyone merry christmas happy new year the whole nine yards covered all happy hanukkah everything that everyone celebrates and like clark said we will talk to you guys in the new year see y'all look out there